Good morning, Transit Church. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. So we're going to be talking about Advent here for the next four weeks. And like Jeff has often mentioned, we come from mixed and various backgrounds. So you may not come from a church background where you celebrate Advent or think very much about it. So I wanted to start with a few a few definitions of the word Advent. All right. So let's let's look at these definitions of the word Advent in in reverse order. So we'll start with number three, which is just a general use. Advent means a a coming into being. And you can see there the advent of spring, the advent of pasteurization, the advent of personal computers. And of course, the advent of Jeff's favorite, the iPhone. All right. So just anything that comes into being. And then we get a little bit closer to what we're looking at as we move up to to verse to uh, definition number two. The coming of Christ at the incarnation and then the second coming. So as we talk about the first and second advent of Christ and then what we're doing here for the next four Sundays, the period beginning four Sundays before Christmas and observed by some Christians as a season of prayer and fasting. Although for a lot of us, it's a season of maybe prayer and breaking a diet. You know, I don't know too many people that fast because when New Year's comes around, everybody's getting the new gym memberships and and all that all that good stuff. But that's what we're going to look at uh, for the next four weeks. Over the next four weeks, we're going to observe Advent here by exploring the the person and the work of Jesus Christ through those four themes that you saw there in in the bumper. Hope, joy, love and peace. And the goal is to inspire all of us to celebrate Christ as our Lord and Savior throughout this season. And this should be a season marked with with joy and hope. But sometimes that's not the case. As as Jeff alluded to a little bit, this season gets it gets busy. It gets busy. It gets it gets stressful at times. Um, You know, I know for for me personally, one of the things that that kind of sets me off a little bit about this season is the the commercial commercialization of Christmas. Uh, Black Friday seems like it starts earlier and earlier and earlier every year. I got I think I got my first. Black Friday deal email from Amazon.com on on November 1st. You know, they waited for Halloween and then they jump, jump right in there. So, you know, that kind of honestly kind of irks me off a little bit. Um, And then another thing is, is world events and political correctness, just the things that are going on as as we look around the way that people are are limiting everyone uh, through through what they say what's right and wrong, and then just the events in the world, the things that are going on that just really hurt your heart to, to know that those things are going on. And then there's everyone's favorite, dealing with family, dealing with travel. Uh, in, a, in a congregation like this, where I know a lot of people probably aren't from this area, you got to go somewhere, or somebody expects you to go somewhere, even if you're not going. Uh, being in the, in the military now for, for 17 years, we finally stopped getting the the automatic guilt trip every every season oh are you coming home for thanksgiving no i don't think we'll make it home for thanksgiving oh i understand i wish you could make it home for thanksgiving (laughs) thanksgiving ain't gonna be the same without you we really miss you guys at at thanksgiving you know so it only it only took uh mine and gwen's families you know a decade or so to get over to get over that Um, but i think we're kind of on the other side 
And then a lot of people have, they say everyone has a, has a crazy uncle. You know, I don't know. Maybe everybody does have the crazy uncle that you got to deal with. Um, so there's dealing with family. And then there's something that I've become very aware of in, in my time here doing my job over at Arlington National Cemetery is missing those people that, that aren't here. You know, there, I've since, probably since uh, December 26th of last year, I've probably performed, you know, 250 funeral services. And for most of those people, this Christmas is going to be the first Christmas that they're going to have without that person. So it's also a time of, of sadness. So while there's a lot of joy and hope in this season, there, there are some reasons why this is a difficult time of year for all of us. And, and I will bet that many of you share some of those same frustrations, stresses, and disappointments throughout this season. Some of you may not like this time of year because it doesn't hold the same luster that it did when you were younger. And then I hear other people talking about how Christmas is, is for the kids. You know, Christmas is just for the kids. Once you're, once you're older, you don't really worry about Christmas anymore. Um, but what that's a sign of is the fact that we tend to lose focus on what this season actually means. We tend to lose focus on what this season actually means. The reality is, is that life happens. Life happens. Disappointments come, highs and lows. Life, it, 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 keeps, it keeps going on. And whether we do something by our own actions that cause us to, to be in this place where, where we're missing that joy and peace or someone else does it and all of that by the sovereignty of God, injustice, heartache, and hardship, they come into our lives during times when it's, when it's not convenient. And again, we become very aware of that during this time of year. So for some, this is a reason to give up. Some, some lose hope, some lose joy, some turn away. Again, not a lot, but a few times when I've called people about services that I'm doing at Arlington and I say, you know, what can you tell me about this person's faith? Uh, sometimes I'll get back the answer like, well, they weren't really a churchgoer. They grew up as a Baptist or an Episcopal or this or that. But when his wife died or when her husband died, she couldn't understand why God would do that. So kind of turn her back on God later, later in life. But God calls us to a different response in the midst of all the things that happen in life. God calls us to hope, and God indeed gives us the gift of hope. Let's take a look again at the last two verses of, of the Romans verse that we read together earlier. Romans chapter 15, verses 12 through 13, and this is Paul. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What Paul's doing here is like so many of the, of the gospel writers, so many of the writers of the New Testament, is he's looking back at the Old Testament to inspire his audience, his audience, whether they were uh, in Rome or anywhere else in the, in the diaspora, spread out, scattered. Paul is bringing them a message of hope by looking back at what the prophets had said. So what he's talking about here, the root of Jesse, comes out of the book of Isaiah chapter 11. So we'll look at the first 
five verses first just to kind of get an explanation. So Isaiah chapter 11, verses one through five. I didn't do the, my due diligence like Jeff and get the page number there out of the, out of the Pew Bible. But Isaiah chapter 11, verses one through five. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So the stump of Jesse, a person that will come for, for restoration. Now, I looked up a little bit about the, the stump and trees growing out of a stump because I figured it was possible, but want to do my due diligence, you know, want to make sure uh, that everything's good. And, and the stump is indeed the remains of a dead tree. We all know that. But then there, there are these shoots. And this shoot that Isaiah is talking about is life that is springing up from apparent death. And, and when I was looking up, I, I saw this quote that the stump sprouts can grow very quickly and sometimes become viable trees themselves, either for aesthetics or timber, due to the existing root structure due to the existing root structure. So there's, there's even an echo of hope just in that language, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, that, that from the apparent dead stump, there's still an existing root structure that can be used. It just has to be cared for and cultivated. And Isaiah is, is talking to Israel, and we'll get into it a little bit more, the exact circumstances when he's addressing them, but he's telling them there is a leader who is coming. And... He is going to restore these things because the spirit of the Lord is upon him. So it's going to be by, by God's spirit that, that this person, this root from the stump, this shoot from the stump of Jesse is going to come and restore all things. So we uh, just to kind of summarize some of the things that are said there in that verse. First, the spirit of the Lord will be upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is, God's, this is God's chosen leader. God's chosen leader is going to come in God's spirit, in God's perfect spirit, in order to, to restore things. And he's going to be a righteous judge. He's going to judge rightly. He's not going to display partiality. He's going to judge, again, according to that spirit of the Lord. And he's going to be a destroyer of the wicked. Those who are wicked will, will suffer the wrath of the one who comes in the spirit of the Lord. And the root of Jesse will eventually come and complete his work, a fantastic work, because of the spirit of God. However, and this is where the hope comes in, and this is what we have to keep track of as we read some of these verses that are, that are easy to remember uh, when we think of some of the prophecies, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to, to build you up and not destroy these things. When, when we read those, we've got to understand what the prophets were speaking into 
as they delivered these messages because they didn't deliver them in a vacuum. Because the, the shoot from the stump of Jesse is not going to come into a great situation and then make it perfect. That's not what's going on. What he's doing is he's coming into a very dark, a very evil situation, and then he's overcoming it with light through the Spirit of God. So in order to gain a, a, a full appreciation, let's look at kind of the, the, uh, the first Christmas verse, a verse that we don't necessarily uh, uh, associate with Christmas year after year. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. All right. And you can see up there at the top, mankind invited sin into creation. This is where the need for Christmas arose. This is where the need for Advent arose is, is in this moment. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took and ate. She took its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband. Who ate with her, who was with her, and he ate. So this is what we traditionally call the fall. This was the moment when it became necessary for God to eventually become a man, come and walk among us to take away our sin. Was right here in this moment. And if you continue reading on, we read about uh, the curses that came on the serpent and on the man and the woman and on all creation. And this happened in the beginning. This happened before there was Israel. This happened before God instituted the law. This happened before God sent the prophets. So this is a, this is a, a human problem. It's not a certain race that, that caused this. It's the human race. The human race invited sin into our relationship with God. And then when we look back to Isaiah chapter 1 verses 2 through 6, we see the actual circumstances in which that prophecy about the stump of Jesse coming to restore things was given. Now the prophets had, had a few different roles. Uh, the prophets did what we call foretelling. So they told of future events that would happen. They would come and they would say, you know, this is going to happen. There's going to be exile. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. So they would foretell. But then they also would foretell, F-O-R-T-H, which is telling the truth to the people. That's their role as a teacher. That's their role as a preacher. OK. And another role which Isaiah takes up here, and that's the role of covenant prosecutor. This is kind of the opening argument. This is the opening of the case against Israel that Isaiah lays out throughout his entire message. So starting in verse two, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utter, utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. 
the whole heart is faint. For the sole of the foot, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. God had originally designated Israel to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. He told Abraham that through you and through your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But over time, Israel continued to, to rebel. The children of Israel rebelled against God. As you read through the Old Testament, they forget God. Then something happens. Then they remember. Then they forget God again. Then something else happens. Then they remember. Continuing on and on and on until it gets to the point where God starts sending these prophets in to tell Israel, hey, you rebelled and here is what is going to happen to you. The people lacked understanding. They didn't understand God. Through the corruption of the fall, people were, were unable to completely understand what was going on. And that's their, that was part of their downfall. And the nation is sinful. The nation is, is full of sin. Isaiah, he, he lays it out over and over. And then God will strike them down, which is the exile. That's, what, that's part of the message that Isaiah delivers throughout his book is, you are guilty before the Lord. And because of this, the Lord declares that you are going to go into exile. You are going to be broken down. Other nations are going to come and, and oppress you, take you captive. So Isaiah is prophesying against Judah, which is a southern tribe because Israel had, had split at this point. And they were clearly guilty of the, of the transgressions which Isaiah laid out before them. And then later in Isaiah chapter 53, he, he gives us a, a summary statement. Isaiah 53, 6, all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That's what Isaiah declares, that everyone, everyone has gone astray. Everyone has turned to their own ways. And at the point when Isaiah delivers his prophecy, the exile's imminent. There's no, there's no turning back. It is, it is going to happen. Shortly after he spoke this prop prophecy, the northern tribes indeed went into exile through the Assyrians. And if you've been here for the, for the Jonah series, that was the people when Jonah went to, to Nineveh to prophesy to them and they turned for their ways. But shortly there later, they become the arm of the Lord and they take the northern tribes into exile. And then about a little over 100 years later, the southern tribes, Judah, to which Isaiah was speaking, were then taken captive into Babylon. The people invited calamity and destruction into their relationship with God. And what's the reason why? Isaiah laid it out. The whole head is sick. The heart is faint. There's that, that element of corruption prevented Israel prevents us from restoring that relationship to God in our own power. The people seemed content. It's kind of strange when, when you do read through it. You see the, the amazing miracles that God performed during the Exodus, or you see how when he's prophesied destruction, and then you'll read something like, but 
you know, X person humbled himself before the Lord. So the Lord relented from what he was about to do. And you would think the, the people have to know that these events are related. They prayed and now all of a sudden things have changed. But in spite of all that, people seem determined to run just as fast as possible straight into destruction. But that's not the whole story. Even as Isaiah lays out his case, even as he says that the whole head is sick, that the sores and the wounds are, are undressed and that the, the nation is going to be struck down, even in the midst of that prophecy, he, he says that, that there is hope and that God, that same God, also, prophes- also promises restoration. And it comes through the root of Jesse. And as we continue on in chapter 11, picking it up in verses 6 through 10, we, we see that the root of Jesse will indeed defeat that curse and that the, the world will be restored. Isaiah continues on. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for all peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. So this is what the root of Jesse comes to do to restore God's peace in creation. God's original intent for creation was for it to be a place of peace, a place that that reflects God's perfection. It was corrupted, but the root is going to come to restore that. He's also going to restore understanding, which is a key. As you read through, you'll see uh, constantly about how people lacked wisdom. They lacked understanding. They lacked knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The root of Jesse is going to come to restore all that because it's by that understanding of God, by that filling of his spirit, that, that creation can be restored to that original intent. And he will restore God's glory. God's work will once again be perfect. So he will restore peace, he'll restore understanding, and he will restore God's glory to all creation. As I, as I look at this, you know, and I think about kids playing with cobras, first of all, that's dangerous, all right? <laughs> don't, don't let your kids play with cobras, you know, as just, just don't do that, all right? At least not right now. Um, but it, it, it seems amazing and at first glance, I would say people have, have trouble believing that something like that could ever happen, that the world could ever be in that type of per- perfect peace. At, at first glance, I think that. But as I think a little deeper, I don't think people have a problem envisioning perfect peace. What we do, though, is we think it's going to come th- through some other means. We think that if the right person is elected president, then that perfect peace will come. If, the peop- if people believe right about abortion or marriage or these other things, it'll come. If people just practice this one religion, perfect peace 
will come. You know, if people do things the way, if everybody was like me, perfect peace will come. There'd be no, no arguing in the world if, if, if I didn't have to deal with other people. But, but we think that it's possible. We think that in our own power that we can make that happen. And that's where we fall short. This season, as we reflect on the, the promise and the coming of Jesus Christ, is to remind us that there's only one shoot from the stump of Jesse who can recreate, who rebirths, who restores all things. There's no, there's no political leader ever going to do that. No one, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or some third party actually has a chance, is ever going to bring this type of peace to, to the U.S. There's no religious system. There's, there's no, nothing is going to do that. Only the root from the, the shoot from the stump of Jesse can do that. And then we see that Jesus Christ is that shoot from the stump of Jesse. Revelation 22, 16, Jesus says it outright to John. I am, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The prophecy for Israel, what was prophecy to the nation, is reality for us. In Isaiah chapter, chapter 8, the, the virgin will be with child and his name will be called Emmanuel. That was a prophecy to them. That's a reality for us. That has already been fulfilled. The first advent has taken place and we know that, that through that birth that we have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of adoption as children of God. So that, that's, a, that's a reality for us. We've, we've seen that. And the Bible continues to tell us that at Jesus' second advent, at his second coming, that he will come and restore all things. He will come and restore all things. And we look forward with great anticipation to the day that we will see God face to face. But in the meantime, we have to live and we will live. And hopefully we do live as God's children right here in this world. Again, the stresses of the season, whether it is family, whether it's looking out at the world and seeing uh, famine and death and, the, and all these different things, that's, that's a reality in which we, we have to live. That's a reality in which God calls us to live with hope. He calls us to shine a little bit of that light into, into the current situations. So we can't, we can't wait for this season to be great. You know, we can't wait for the commercialization to go away. We can't wait for our, our crazy uncle to, to get right. You know, we've got to, we've got to worship God in the season in which he has us, in the portion of life in which he has us. Jeff said last week when, uh, when he was finishing up the Jonah series, when he was talking about the tragedy in his own family uh, mixed with not being there for, for the, the birth of his daughter, that he had a choice. He could, he could worship through it 
or else. I mean, and there's just an infinite amounts of, of or else. We can worship through it or else. So that's what the message is to you today. It's simple. It's worship God. Worship God. How do we do that? We do that first by placing, do it first by placing your faith in Jesus for salvation. Placing your faith in Jesus for salvation. And, and those who are here week after week say, man, that, that every week, every week we get encouraged to place our faith in Jesus for salvation. But that, that's really what it's about. I mean, if, if you're here to hear a different message than that, I would say that you're, you're likely in the wrong place. You're likely in the wrong place. And especially when you, it, when you come to church during Advent, you know, you come to church for Christmas and all that, I, I, would, I would ask you to be suspicious of a church if you're not hearing that message, because that's what the season is all about. So we place our faith in Jesus for salvation. Second thing is turn to him in all of life's circumstances. Turn to him in all of life's circumstances. Doesn't mean that we won't feel any pain. Indeed, in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was made perfect through suffering. And then you look back in John chapter 13, and it says that, that we are not going to be better than our master. It's enough for us to be, like, to be like our master. So he's made perfect in suffering, so we're going to suffer, but we can go through that as those who have hope. So turn to him in all of life's circumstances. We also want to remember him in our successes as well. When things are going well, we want to turn to Jesus. When things are, are not going well, we want to turn to Jesus. In all things, we want to look to him who is the author of our salvation. Third, teach others about the hope that you have in Jesus. Again, that's what we're doing over these four weeks by lighting the Advent candles, by having the reading, by saying the prayers together. We're, we're helping to, to teach and encourage each other. I know Gwen just bought an Advent book that she's reading with our, with our youngest daughter at home to teach her about what's going on with Advent. And, and we share these things inside of our home. If we don't share them with anybody outside, we, let's at least share them inside of our homes. Let's at least share them with, with our children and with our families. And then through that, maybe there will be an opportunity for someone who, who doesn't know, who hasn't heard, to learn as well. And then the fourth thing is celebrate the work of our Savior. It's hard at times. It's hard for me to approach this season with joy at times. Me, I'm, I don't know what's, what's wrong with me. I'm, I'm stuck on the commercialization piece. You know, I just get whatever. I think it's because I don't like to shop. But, <laughs> but seriously, this is a time to, to have fun, to have joy, to celebrate, to know that because Jesus came, we have an opportunity to look a different way, that we can approach day-to-day -day life with hope, even though it's hard, even though it's hard. And it is a time when people, the simple stuff, people get off work, kids get out of school, you get a chance maybe to see someone that you haven't seen in a while, and you can celebrate and fellowship with these people that God has blessed you with and put into your life. You know, I don't want to bring up the cemetery too much, but the, the year and a half that I've been there so far, I mean, it has really changed my perspective on things because 
you, the one pretty pretty much the one constant that you hear, especially if it's a big funeral, is we've got to get together other times than this. We've got to get together other times than this. Well, once a year, this season is is the potential to get together for times other than that. It really is. And if you got to get the guilt trip from mom or whatever, take the guilt trip and, and, and go anyway. I blame mom. You know, dad, dad would guilt trip you if he'd get on the phone too. So, so it's not just mom. But approach this season with, with celebration. This, this is a season to celebrate. The world's not perfect and life is still going to be tough at times. But the creator of the universe came that we could have hope and a future. He came to, to restore the things that, that, would, that would keep us down, the things that would fight against that hope. just want to share a verse with you, part of Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. When Jesus was praying, he said to God, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil ones. His prayer isn't that we would be away from from these different troubles, that we wouldn't be away from these different frustrations, but but that in a world that has been corrupted in sin, that by the Spirit of God, we wouldn't fall into and run after and live in that life of sin. That through the rigor of day to day life, God will protect us by his Spirit. So as we go through these next few weeks, we'll learn more about that, more about the the hope in this season. But for today, I just encourage you to celebrate the gift of hope. Please bow with me in prayer. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, that you sent your son to die for people who don't deserve it, Lord God. What you created perfect, we tainted. But rather than tell us, you're on your own, fix it yourself. You said, I I will fix it. What I call you to do is believe. So God, thank you for loving us and loving this world so much that you would send your son to die for us, even while we are still sinners, even while our natural tendency is to rebel against you. So, Father, as we go forward from here today, Lord, I pray that you would fill each one of us with that gift of hope, Lord God, that maybe we could look at this season a little bit differently this year, Lord God, and that it could be a celebration and a remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen.